The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Kent Beadle joins us. He's with the Russell Consulting Group and with CHS Hedging. Interesting times to have in the markets today. You know, it's a Friday, so usually Fridays are a little bit on the quieter side today. But Kent, that is not what happened. This soybean market is absolutely crazy. Yeah, soybean markets being led by soybean meal. And, of course, we've got a couple of different factors going on there. Um, you know, the underlying fundamental demand story is good with more animals, you know, more pigs, more chickens. That's a story that's been ongoing for quite a long time. Uh, of course, this year, the largest soybean meal exporter, Argentina, has uh, gone through a drought, and, and there's really been nothing that's changed as they move through their harvest in terms of um, estimates. They continue to be on the low side somewhere in that you know, 38 million ton type area, which is down, you know, almost 20 million tons from a year ago. Uh, clearly, that that tightens up the world balance sheets, and as the lar- world's largest soybean meal exporter, um, it puts into um, question how much they're going to be able to export, which uh, throws some potential export business back here to the U.S., um, and, you know, the market was kind of getting a good sense of how that was playing out. We've actually sold the Argentinians some cargoes of soybeans to help them get through. Uh, that arbitrage was working. And then all of a sudden this week you find out that a vessel sank in their uh, in their port area, and that puts into question whether or not they're going to be able to uh, load vessels out anytime soon. And so all of a sudden... Uh, the onus shifts back on the U.S. to be able to execute more nearby soybean meal demand. And uh, our crush margins essentially responded to go out to about a buck and a half a bushel in order to try to encourage that to happen. And that's, uh, um, that's why you had the strength that we had here uh, uh, late later this week. You know, there's been some chatter about how long this port's going to be closed. Have you heard any somewhat concrete information for that duration? Uh, I... I haven't heard anything concrete, you know, uh, uh, days to months, right? And and that's sort of a lot like saying nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, that could come as an advantage to our soybean producers here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, truthfully, we were staring at a 500 million bushel, 550 million bushel carry out with a, a fairly good uh, chance of maintaining that type of a supply through the 1819 crop year and uh, with the shortfall in Argentine uh, bean production and then uh, this need to actually um, produce more meal for the world meal market you know those estimates are certainly coming down well and the soybean our soybean producers have just had such a blow as as discussions continue with China and hopefully we get some sort of workings in place for them well I think that now, this week was a week where there seemed to be a little more optimism on that front. Uh, we hear that the administration is going to be sending a team to China. Uh, dates have not been yet been announced that I have heard, but um, uh, a number of folks are going to go over there and start working on negotiating an agreement with them uh, that hopefully um, 
puts to bed some of these tariffs and and uh, and hopefully takes away some of the tariffs that have already been placed, which are the immediate ones that were put on pork and uh, um, and sorghum. Uh, we don't have soybean tariffs in place yet, and of course that's probably wise by the Chinese, considering the 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 inability for um, uh, the South Americans to export maybe as much as they were going to export before. So, uh, you know, we're we're optimistic. It's a, a little bit difficult to say how this ultimately turns out because these are difficult negotiations and can certainly turn. And this administration can be a little bit flighty when it comes to what it wants. But, um, uh, you know, we did have good news this week on that front with the Chinese and also on the NAFTA front. We hear that um, uh, odds are getting higher, that an agreement is going to be made to uh, uh, extend that agreement uh, to ratify uh, some adjustments to it. And um, obviously that's very important to our marketplace here as well. Ken, looking at this corn market, it's talk of field work or seeing some expansion, obviously south of I-80. But even here, as we look into Nebraska, north of I-80, we have started to see a lot more guys in the fields are starting to get some corn in the ground if they haven't been working on soybeans. But to the north, I mean, you guys in Minnesota, the Dakotas, Wisconsin, things are going to be idle for a little bit longer. Yeah, uh, most of my clients are talking about mid to late next week as uh, as their first best chance to get going. Uh, there are a few folks that might be scratching around on some um, no-till ground, maybe trying to get a little spring wheat in up in the north. But for the most part, it um, is still not ready yet. Uh, soil temperatures are still too cold. There is still frost that needs to come out of the ground. Um, and, you know, it's just not ready. Uh, that being said, uh, looking at the extended forecasts, uh, we believe the crop's going to get in. Uh, I don't actually think that um, that the marketplace should be too concerned that we're going to going to lose a bunch of corn acres, at least not with the forecast that we see. Uh, that being said, I don't think that that becomes bearish either. Uh, we're looking at next year's balance sheets, and my corn balance sheet's got a 1.26. Uh, carry out, and that's with a 174 yield uh, on the 88 million acres of uh, of intention. So uh, we're looking at a really large demand base uh, with smaller production out of South America. Uh, we think next year's export program is going to remain good for you know most of the entire year, and uh, you know that means that. Uh, once we get into the summer, uh, if things don't run perfectly, we should have some more weather volatility. All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got more of the Fontenelle Final Bell coming up here on the Rural Radio Network. Our guest on this Friday is Kent Beadle. He's with Russell Consulting Group and with CHS, CHS Hedging out of the Twin Cities. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Over. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Ken Beadle's joining us. He is the Director of Risk Consulting Services with CHS Hedging and the Russell Consulting Group. Proteins. We have seen a continue, as you were talking, a continued rise in, in the protein demand out there. Well, absolutely. Um, you know, we saw last week's cattle on feed report with a another sizable increase in the number of animals on feed on the cattle side. Of course, our hogs and pigs report at the end of March uh, with another uh, approximate 3% increase in, in all hogs and pigs. Uh, we 
don't trade poultry on the futures market, but that has been a steady rise as well. Uh, this is being driven by two things. Number one, you know, an increasing U.S. population uh, in addition to, you know, what has been a fairly long, if not slow, economic improvement uh, coming out of the 2008-2009. And right now, you know, our economy is humming along pretty well. There's additional disposable income in consumers' pockets, uh, primarily driven by the fact that, you know, gasoline prices have been now low for, uh, you know, a couple of years here anyway. And uh, uh, all that translates into better meat demand. The cattle have had a struggle they turned themselves around, unlike the pork that has had the struggle. And today, we really saw some nice numbers for this cattle market. A good close to finish out the week. Yeah, we've been caught here for an, a number of days in between some resistance at about 106 and a quarter and uh, a gap in the chart at 104. And uh, we've attempted to fill that gap each of the last couple of sessions. We failed to fill that gap Um Cash trade indications seem to be a little bit better here uh, and uh, are still maybe looking a little bit better for next week. Of course, we're expiring the April contract on Monday. Uh, but there's a lot of discussion about 124 trade potentially in the Southern Plains. And, uh, you know, while you know, the marketplace uh, in the June contract, is its function is to actually solve for what is what are we going to be at the end of June, um, you know, that discount of the June futures to the nearby cash is getting to be awful large. And eventually, uh, the market capitulated to the upside here, and we saw an enormous amount of buying going into the close. Well, these hogs, I have a pork producer that um, will send messages throughout the trading day saying, okay, what can it take to get some positive numbers? Another struggle this week. Yeah, you know, there was a uh, um, a story that, uh, the new Sioux City packing plant was going to be bringing on a second shift here this summer and that they've now postponed that to the fall. Uh, that, I think, sort of uh, set the negative tone here in the cash. Um, you know, we've been having some good seasonal gains uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, and the CME index was reflecting that. And now those gains in the CME index have slowed fairly dramatically, which is an indication that underlying cash market is slowing or has stopped increasing here for the time being. And uh, that sort of triggered a, a wave of either profit-taking or new speculative selling from the funds. Um, of course, we did manage to get uh, uh, the July and August contracts above $80 last week, and I think that triggered a fair amount of hedge selling from, uh, uh, from the industry as well. And uh, the combination of all of that just uh, uh, turned that market south. Now, I do think that we under have to understand seasonally hogs do tend to uh, increase during this time frame. Um, keep in mind, we've had a kind of slow start to the grilling season because of the cold temperatures that we've had. I do think the weather is going to improve. Ultimately, I think the seasonality kicks in. I do think we're going to get another run higher here uh, at, at some point in time after maybe a challenge of those lows that uh, uh, that we saw here this week. We'll go back over to this wheat market. We do have a wheat quality tour that starts next week in Kansas. There's been a lot of speculation of frost damage to this wheat. Once this tour starts, Kent, and you will have a guy on the ground, boots on the ground to go along with this. Once they see all this, what type of reaction do you think we might see from this wheat market? Well, um, you know, our boots on the ground that we have right now have have been telling us, 
you know, some kind of nasty things. Uh, some of this wheat's coming out of dormancy and just does not look very good at all. Uh, ultimately, it kind of comes down to whether or not we're going to be able to get some additional rain to finish this crop off. Uh, I still think that rain could make a difference, and if, if we happen to get some uh, over Kansas and the Texas-Oklahoma panhandles, that, you know, that, that could add a few bushels. Um, but where it sits today, crop condition ratings are poor. Uh, the visuals on the ground are relatively poor. And I think that's what's going to be reflected uh, uh, when they go look at it next week. Now, there are some areas that are better. And, of course, we're going to hear some of those as well. So sometimes, you know, the pictures will, will temper things and you'll, you know, you'll see some 40 or 50 or 60 bushel yield estimates and you'll, everybody will say, oh, gee, it's not so bad. Um, ultimately, I think we got to wait till. Uh, they get all to get all of the uh, acres covered, and we wait for the wait for the numbers at the end. The best way for producers to reach out to you, Kent. So you know, our number here is eight hundred eight five one zero eight nine two. We also have a, a, a general producer number eight hundred three two eight six five three zero. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.